particular young lady is uncomfortable about her spiritual walk, about her spiritual life. She believes in God. She belongs to a Christian church. She attends church weekly. She gives offerings. She gives her tithes, but yet she feels empty. She feels alone. She feels confused. She sat on the church's pew until the preacher pronounces the benediction or the closing. And even during the sermon, she almost goes to sleep because she just can't stay focused on what the minister is having to say. She prays. She asks God for a lot of things, but she's still not sure that her prayers are getting above the ceiling. She smiles as normal. She shakes hands as normal. But in her spirit, she really doesn't care. She sings hymns of the church. She claps her hands during the praise and worship. And yet all of these things are somewhat mechanical. And she simply goes through the motions. She really can't feel the touch of the Holy Spirit. In the corner of her mind, she constantly asks herself these questions in church and outside of church. What's wrong with me? Am I a real Christian? Am I really saved? What, what must I do to experience a real touch of the Lord in my life? This person I'm talking about may not be alone. Because probably if we was to really look inside the four walls of our churches all across America, there's probably thousands if not millions so-called Christians that they call themselves in the world who suffer the same situation. And if you suffer the same apathy and the same spiritual problem today, then tonight's message is what I want you to listen to. You might be a Christian from birth, but how many knows that it doesn't ensure that you're saved? You might be a seminary graduate, but it doesn't mean that you're still going to heaven. You may be a pastor or a Christian leader, but it does not guarantee that you're still going to feel the fire and the passion that ignites a child of God. You might be giving the biggest offerings and paying your tithes, but still not feel the real love that God wants you to feel. I want to take a look at a real familiar scripture Tune in out of the book of Acts, chapter 20, if you want to turn there. How many remembers in the New Testament a guy by the name of Eutychus? Anybody remembers Eutychus? Eutychus was the guy that, remember, when Paul was preaching up until midnight, he fell asleep. And he fell out of the third-story window and killed. He got killed. He died. I want to look at that tonight. And we want to talk about this particular character. I don't know that I've ever preached on Eutychus before, but he's, a, he's an unusual kind of guy. We want to look at some things, similarities of where we are today. Look with me in Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. And I just simply want to entitle this message tonight, Midnight. Everybody say Midnight. Verse number 7 says this, <clears throat> Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome with sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life 
is in him. Don't, don't miss that phrase right there. For his life is in him. We had come up and broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until daybreak he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. In other words, they were greatly comforted because this young man was alive. He wasn't dead anymore. Wasn't dead anymore. And I want you to notice <coughs> several things about this passage that the, that the writer of Luke here talks about in the book of Acts. I want, you to, I want you to notice what he's talking about Eutychus to us tonight and concerning his drowsiness and concerning his fall. He mentions four things. He mentions this. He mentions the lateness of the hour. He mentions the many lamps. He mentions the window seat. And he talks about the long discourse or the long message, the long sermon, the long talk. So each of these factors here no doubt probably added to this guy's drowsiness. This incident was recorded in the Bible to illustrate to you and I, I believe, a very typical significance that we could learn from tonight as God's people as we, as we grow in Christ. I believe that it was to demonstrate something which is more important about the condition of our own spiritual life. The drowsiness, if you will, and the fall of Eutychus is a, is a mirror reflection, is a mirror of our fading affection, if you will, within the church today. For God, which causes our fall into, a, into deep troubles when we fade away, when we slip away, when we... And I talked a little bit about that this morning, that, that when, prop, when people come and they have problem after problem, and situation after situation, many times it's because their lack of just selling out to Christ. And many times it's their lack of, of getting the relationship to where, to where it needs to be. And this is happening all over the church in America today. It's happening in our own churches today, even in our own county today. People are falling away. They're fading away. In the following verses from this book of Revelation, and you've, you've heard me speak on this before, the Apostle John describes this church with a very commendable outward qualification that he spoke about. But on later on in that chapter, God also declared this tough rebuke that he gave this church. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, I know your deeds. You, you, you work hard and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have preserved and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And, boy, that sounds great, and it's, it's wonderful when, when God gives you a, a commendation like that. But when you look in verse number 4, the Lord says, Yet I I've got this thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. And when he was talking here to the church of Ephesus, it's a picture of many Christians today when we look at that godly on the outside, if you will, but empty on the inside. The fervor had gone and the passion had dried away. The excitement and the zeal for, the, for their love for God had been forsaken. We don't, we don't pray like we used to. We don't, we don't come before God like we used to. We don't, we don't linger before God like we, you know what I'm talking about. We don't, we don't stay before God like we used to. We don't, we don't get into the scriptures and, and just listen to the word of God and, and, and just listen to what God is trying to tell us in the scripture. And when you look at this, 
This, this passage here, this same spiritual condition made Eutychus sleep while one of the most gifted, think about this, while one of the most gifted speakers, one of the most talented teachers of the word of his day was speaking, this guy fell asleep in a windowsill while he was listening to this man begin to speak and begin to talk. When you look at this, this picture and this story here, it also reveals Eutychus's heart. He, 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 he doesn't love the word of God truly enough to, to enjoy it. He, he, he doesn't care for his brother enough to stay awake with Paul on his farewell meeting and, and his love for God and his men is fading. He said, Pastor, boy, you're giving this guy a bad rap. I mean, he just, he just fell asleep. I mean, I've even fell asleep in church before. Oh, me. Oh, yeah, I've saw you. Some of your wives will elbow you. Some of your husbands will elbow you, tell you to wake up. You get drowsy. I'm sure it's not because of my preaching, but because of all the other things that's going on. But I want you to look at the causes here. We say, well, you're giving this guy a bad rap. Listen here. There's a cause here of this drowsiness and fall. The Bible mentions, and I mentioned four of you to you a while ago. First of all, he mentions the lateness of the hour. The Bible says in verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and, and because he intended to leave on that next day, he kept on talking, in other words. He kept on speaking. The sermon got longer and longer. He kept on talking until midnight, the Bible says. But aside from Eutychus, isn't this interesting? Aside from Eutychus, the writer of Acts did not mention anybody else falling asleep. Just this guy. He didn't mention nobody else who slept while Paul was giving this long message. Instead, they bear with Paul, the Bible says, until morning. And so we can, we can safely say they had an all-night fellowship. They had an all-night church meeting. They had an all-night prayer meeting, if you will. Can I tell you, there's folk today who enjoy hearing the Word of God broke down and explained while other people feel it's a punishment to listen to, while other folks feel like it's strenuous to listen to. They just endure hearing the message, even for a short 30 minutes. They can't even come on a Sunday morning and listen to the preacher preach for 30 minutes. They've got to go home because they've got other things on their mind. They've got other things they've got to do. They've lost interest, so to speak. And the answer, of course, is simply the condition of the heart. Talking to somebody you love throughout the whole night is almost effortless energy. I mean, when you, when you come across that old friend and you come across that old co uh, companion or whatever and you just want to sit down and you talk to them or a family member... It's nothing to talk to them. But get a hold of somebody you don't like. It's painful to listen to them. And they want to talk and talk and talk. And you get drowsy and drowsy. The other day, and this is not because I don't like Sophie. I want to preface that up front. I was babysitting Sophie, Kim and David's little girl, Friday afternoon. And, and, and we, we went outside. We'd done a lot of things outside. And, and uh, we're talking about this lateness of the hour and the, and the many lamps in the room and all that. And so we decided we was going to have a, have a beach party in my garage. And so we got out this sports umbrella and I set it up in the garage. And we got out the, the two seats, the, the beach loungers, you know, and we set them out in the garage. And, and I had a hat on and I laid down on one and Sophie laid down on one. And I said, we're at the beach. Boy, this is wonderful. And Sophie said, boy, yeah, I'm going to get up past her and I'm going to go to the water. And she run out in my in my driveway and she pretended that she was in the beach she 
was in the water, and she come running back, and she said, oh, pastor, it, it, the water is so cool. And she got the hat off my head, and, and she said, I'm going to go get us some water so I can splash you. And she'd run out there in the water, and she'd take my hat, and she'd dip that water out in her hat for 10, and she'd come back, and she'd throw it on me. And I'd say, oh, that feels so good, Sophie. That was so refreshing. Go get me some more. And she'd go back there and get me some more. But all the while she was doing that, the sun was shining in that garage, and the breeze was blowing a little bit, and pastor got sleepy. And she would come back every now and say, wake up, pastor. Open your eyes and open them wide. <laughs> and I'd open them wide and I'd say, go get me some more water. Because you know, I'm thinking, when she turns around, my eyes is closed. She, it takes her a little bit to get out there and dip that water up in the hat. And so while she's out there just frolicking around in the water, pretend water, I'm, out, I'm up on, in, in the beach chair just sleeping until she comes back at those water. Wake up, Pastor. Open your eyes and open them wide. Can I tell you that we do get drowsy from time to time? But I would tell you, spiritual drowsiness can be transformed if we're not careful. And it should be transformed to watchfulness and perseverance. We're living in the last days. Hallelujah. We're living in the days that I believe with all of my heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back after his church we don't have time to spiritually sleep tonight we don't have time to be spiritual drowsy tonight we don't have time just to just to slack off or fade away no 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 but we've got to get more and more intense as we see the day approaching we've got to listen and understand what the signs of the time and the word is saying to us we've got to be ready and be about our father's business amen and if we will be able to do this it'll be easily if we've got a burn of the burning love of God in our hearts. Can I tell you that midnight, midnight when this guy fell out of the window, midnight can be the most dangerous time of the day if you're not careful. Think about it. Midnight can be a dangerous time. What are you talking about, Pastor? Go back in the Word. It was midnight when the death angel passed through Egypt and smote the firstborn. It was midnight when the cry was made and they woke those sleeping virgins. They was not ready to meet their Savior. Can I tell you also that midnight can also be a halfway point to the starting of the break of day. Midnight can be a halfway point to victory in your life. The same that it can be a dangerous situation can also be a victorious time time in your life. I don't know about you, but I choose to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. It may be midnight in my life, but I'm going to look to him who's the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to look to him who's got everything under control. Amen. Midnight. How do you say that? It was midnight when Paul and Silas turned the corner. It was midnight when they began to sing praises unto the Lord. It was midnight when the chains fell off of them. It was midnight when the prison doors was open. It was midnight when the jailer and all of his family gave their heart to the Lord. Midnight can go either way. Either way. Midnight speaks of decision time. Hmm. Think about it. Those who are sleeping when they should be watching. Those who are sleeping when they should be praying will be caught by surprise when the sudden attack of the enemy comes. Does not your word and my word say that in the hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh? In the hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I was watching Perry Stone the other day. Some of y'all may have saw his broadcast. And he was talking about, 
he was talking about Noah, the Noah's code. Anybody ever watched that before? One of the most phenomenal teachings I ever listened to in my life concerning end times and concerning the coming of Christ. And I just sat there and I, I, I just soaked. I couldn't understand half the stuff that he was saying because the man is brilliant. But the stuff I did understand, that boy, got me excited about the coming of Christ and the similarities with, with the time of Noah. Can I tell you, in the time of Noah, they were eating, they were drinking. Hello? They were doing all kind of things. They was not getting ready. They was not getting prepared. And the Lord was trying to get them prepared. Hallelujah. One of the most greatest things for me, he, he was talking about that when Noah completed what his task was about getting the ark ready, there was a seven-day period before the rains come. It was a seven-day grace period. Seven always is a number of the Lord that give people opportunity to come and give their heart to the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen before the Lord Jesus Christ, but what if, just what if, today is Sunday, what if next Sunday, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock all of a sudden Jesus Christ could split the eastern skies. We've got seven days. We've got from today until next Sunday that we've got to get ourselves ready and bring our family members and everybody. I just wonder if our life would change if we really believed that he would come next Sunday. The truth is this. He could come anytime. You know that already. We say about it. We preach about it all the time. But what are we doing to, be, to get ourselves ready? What are we doing just to dive into the word and listen? Eutychus here, it was midnight and he was getting sleepy. The second thing that he mentioned here in the scripture, was he was comforted by many lamps. The Bible said that there were many lamps in the upstairs room while they, while they were sitting. And probably, no doubt, the many lamps produced heat and, and odor and that makes anybody drowsy. But lamps is also providing, listen, security and comfort good enough to forget everybody else is in the room. You're safe here. The lights provided the room, provided the comfort. And just being comfortable spiritually and drowsy spiritually, you begin to not care about the lost souls of a sinful world if we're not careful. We get so used to the custom to come into the house of God. And, and, and Brother Larry said it this morning. I thank you for the testimony about the worship and all of that. And it is good. And it's wonderful. But if we are not careful, we get into the mindset. We take all of these things for granted. And we just come and we just simply enjoy and not think nothing about about it all you've got to do is just go visit somewhere just go visit somewhere and you'll see how much God has blessed your church you'll see how much God has blessed you but in this situation here if you and I are going to renew our love for God and decide to experience revival and a spiritual awakening then our complacency ought to be changed to compassion and ministry designed to save and reach the lost everything we do everything under the umbrella of the church every ministry that we have here ought to be designed to reach the lost for Jesus Christ no matter if it's singing or Sunday school or Wednesday night or whatever it may be We've got a witness to the Lord Jesus, to those lost individuals, amen. amen. And those who become contented with the comfort of the lamps of their salvation become blind to the millions dying all around them every day. The comfort of the lamps. The third thing that he mentioned was about the window seat. Let me think about this window seat for a minute. He said in verse 9, sitting in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story. That's high. And he was picked up dead. When you are hearing the preaching of the word, now I want this to sink into your spirit tonight. When you are hearing the preaching of the word, the window may not be a necessarily a good place for you to sit. What 
are you talking about, Pastor? You think about it with me. There's all kinds of different windows for people. There's the window of divided attention. I got this going on tomorrow. I get this going on next week. I got that. Didn't that one up there? Didn't Jeanette or Kathy or somebody? Didn't they color their hair or something? Something different about their hair. Your attention's divided. The window. That's why I like sitting in the front row. I ain't got to see all the stuff back there. Some of y'all need to get up here. We got more room. I was, preach, I was preaching the other, other night, Monday night, this past Monday night in Searcy, Dad at the South Heights Church. You remember when Brother Weathers pastor there, you, you went around the back of the church to come in. I don't know how, if you know, but they've changed the, the order of that church. Now you come in the front, what used to be the choir, where the choir sat. And so while I was preaching, what used to be the back of the church was now the front of the church. Have I got y'all confused yet? Some of the older people were still sitting in the back. I said, they, somebody forgot to tell y'all that the front has changed. You got to get up here because there wasn't nobody on the front seat. It's all sitting. It's all sitting in the back. But we got we got to be careful some of those things. But it may not be a a, a a window may not be a place for you to sit because there's a divided attention there. There's also a window of compromise if you're not careful. Boy, I'm gonna. I love going to church, but it's okay for me to do this. God, I've, I've justified myself. In other words, that window of compromise. It's okay. God. God is merciful and He's gracious. And he's going to forgive me. Oh, yes, he will. But you better be careful. Better be careful how far you take it. There's a window of of the exploring world out there. I mean, from the window, from the third-story window, boy, Eutychus could see everything. Not only old brother Paul speaking, but there's all kind of distractions going on out there. I mean, this one's playing with this one. Those kids are getting in a fight. And and, and, and then there's a husband and wife going off over yonder. There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that's that's just taking place from that window of exploring the world. And then there's the window of temptation where the enemy would come in. And and because of all these other things, you're trying to listen to the man of God. But you got all these other distractions out there. You're thinking, boy, it looks so good out there. I think I want to go out there. I mean, they're selling popsicles down there. I'm going to get out of this window. I'm going to go get me a popsicle. And I'll get right back up here in my place. If you ain't careful, you can lose your place. Hello, somebody. An undeniably carnal mind should be renewed to an undivided heart for God. If you and I want to experience true revival today, we can't have complacency in our heart. We can't have slackness in our heart. We can't be fading away in our spirit, in our relationship with God. We've got to, our heart's got to be, got to be undivided, having, giving, him, giving him our undivided attention. We've got to have a compassion and a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who sit in the window of compromise and continually to explore the entertainment of the devil while hearing the word of God, you're going to be in danger of simply falling to sleep and falling to your death. Hello. The fourth thing they mention is this. There was a lack of spiritual hunger. A lack of spiritual hunger for the word. Verse 9, you heard me say it already. See, didn't win. There's this man by the name of Eutychus sinking into a deep sleep. While Paul preached on, he fell out of the window. He talked on and on. In a natural sense, the culprit might be this length of the event. Now, I already know. I'm going to get two or three of you, Dwayne being one. I'll just pick on him a little bit. After the service, says, you know good and well, you don't have to preach an eye for us to get it. He'll tell me that first thing in the morning. He probably won't now because I said it for him. Because he picks at me all the time about stuff like that. But I'll tell you something. Listen. Listen. It, 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 it could have been the length. And I, and I agree with that to some extent. 
<laughs> Somebody's laughing. To some extent. But if you ain't getting it, preach on. <laughs> Wake me up. Do something that's going to energize me and motivate me to listen to what the Word of God is saying. But in a closer, in a closer look, the other reason, it could be a spiritual thing if we're not careful. It might be that the Christian life that seems to be dry and it seems to be lifeless, it could be that the heart that lost its joy and appetite on simply listening and hearing the Word of God, it could be that it may not be the length of the service or the length of the sermon. It could be I'm spiritually dry and dead and it's not doing nothing for me. Come on. If we want to experience true revival, then spiritual dryness needs to be transformed to a passionate love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because those who profess they're Christians and yet there's no hunger. Listen to me, church. This is where we are today. This is exactly where we are. Teach me something. Preach something that sounds good to me. Don't get on to me. Don't fuss at me spiritually. Don't, don't, don't tell me I need to line up to the Word of God. No, I don't necessarily need to line up to the Word of God because He's merciful. He's gracious. No. Yeah, he is all those things. But look, there's some things we've got to do when we give our heart to the Lord. There's some things we we don't need to do. There's some things we've got to stay away from. There's something that's going to keep us out of heaven if we don't listen to the word of God. Amen. That's our road map. It's our road map. If you profess that you're a Christian and you have no real hunger for the word of God, you cannot, I promise you, you cannot and you will not grow any depth whatsoever. That's exactly what I was talking about this morning where Paul was saying if you don't, if you don't fall in love with him, if you don't give him your very best, if you don't, if you don't give your life uh, up from sin and live for righteousness, you're going to find yourself living in sin over and over and over and you have no growth, you have no maturity, you have no life in God always. You're going to have problem after problem after problem and you wonder I can never, never get out of this hole. And it's because I'm not allowing myself to grow. I'm not involving myself enough to grow. Amen. Amen. We've got to have a spiritual awakening through the Spirit of God unless we fall from grace. Pastor, why are, you, why are you saying this? Because it seems like the last several sermons you preached on, you're talking about the end times, and you're talking about people giving up too easy and, and laying it down. Well, that's where we are. That's where we are. And I, and I wouldn't preach this if I didn't feel this in my spirit, but look, we, we don't have time to play. Our relationship is not a time to play. It's not a time to play with. Amen. It's not. It's not. Look, look at the falling here. Look, look, look at this falling here that made Eutychus and other people change. You say, well, pastor, what was the cause of the falling? He fell asleep. That was the cause of the falling. He would have never fell if he didn't fall asleep. Well, what was the bad part of the falling? He fell from the third story. That's a long way. It's a long way to fall. What was the result of his falling? He died. He got killed. He died. Well, what was the rescue from his falling? The Bible says Paul went down and laid across him. And he made this statement. He said, don't worry about this guy. Life is still in him. Hallelujah. My Lord, there's a lot of preaching right there. 
I found myself where I, I may have been spiritually dry. I found myself where I, where Sister Nan, sometimes I feel like I can't find God anyway, but there's still a whole lot of life in me. Don't give up on me yet. Just pray for me. So many times, so many times, we'll find somebody that's not coming to church like they should or not doing this like they should. And we see them out in the, in, out and about doing some things and we, and we, and we, and we, and we count them out. Don't count them out yet. Just pray for them and ask the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to get back in their spirit and revitalize them and make them alive again. Amen. There's still life in this guy. Don't give him up. Don't give up on him yet. What was the change, pastor, after that? Well, verse 12 says the people took the young man home alive. Amen. Took the young man home alive. I'll, I'll get into a little, bit of that, a little bit of this next week. But you know what I, what I miss from the old times of worship? As a kid growing up, I remember when you went down to the altar, you liked to never got out of the altar. It wasn't because you didn't have strength to get up. It was because the old saints of old wouldn't let you up. They'd get down there and they'd put their hands on you. They'd, be, they'd cover you. They'd be like flies on sugar. They'd cover you and they'd be praying for you. They'd be speaking in tongues by the rain. They'd be slapping you in the head and slapping you in the back. They'd be doing all kinds of things with you. And you're thinking, my Lord, I just wished I could get up and go to my seat. They weren't going to let you get up until you had a breakthrough. Now we come down to the altar, we say our little ABC prayer, we go back to the seat, and we wonder why nothing ever changes. I'm fussing at y'all a little bit tonight, all right? Because I'm fussing at me a little bit. We as God's people, we as the saints, when somebody, I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we got to scare somebody slapped to death. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about we need to come down there and let them know that we care about them. We need to come down and put our arms around them and let them know that the Lord loves them. He doesn't, he doesn't care what they've done. It only matters is right, right now and their relationship with him. And they just want them to understand you can give your heart to the Lord. You can have a serious, serious, compassionate love relationship if you'll just hang in there, brother. Just hang in there. And the Lord will bless you. Amen. But the young people took this man home alive, and they were greatly comforted. Now listen, though it's clearly our mistakes, and God allows us many times to fall at times, but God in his unexplainable grace, in his unexplainable mercy, uses our falling from sin to chastise us and to change us into a better person. You ever notice that with yourself when when you've messed up? God teaches me some things. God shares some things with me during those times. Some of you tonight, you, you may be hanging on the windowsill. <laughs> you, you ain't fell yet, but you just may be hanging there, ready to fall, while some has already fallen. But whatever your situation may be, God is still willing to give you a second chance and a second life if we would just give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to learn to come to him. We've got to learn to repent. We've got to get, get rid of pride off your, off your shoulders. Get rid of all that stuff that's holding you back. Just come back to the Lord and say, hey, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Get some music ready if you don't mind, Brother Scott. Let, let me just, just tell you, the easiest way for me to, to, to describe this, to give you this example with husbands and wives many times. Husbands and wives many times will get into a, a, an argument or a discussion. And if we're not careful, depending on how bad it is, we'll go to bed and we won't say nothing to one another. I want you to think about that from a spiritual standpoint. Because one is saying, well, I'm not, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Let them apologize. There's the one that created this, this problem. 
And the other ones laid over. I said, well, I didn't do anything. Let them, they're the ones that started this problem. Let, let them apologize. And, and we go to bed and we don't, we don't say nothing to one another. And there's a separation there if you're not careful. And the reason many times for divorce in our society today is we've allowed little things like that to come between us. And little by little and process after process. Now I know there's all kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not saying this one little thing is, is taking care of everything and, and we're all cookie cutter and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. But if we're not careful, if we don't open ourselves up and get pride off and just say every day, I'm sorry. Can I, can I help some of you couples just a little bit? I don't care whose fault it is. Just somebody say I'm sorry. I don't care if it's your fault or not. Just hug that, that spouse and say, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And if I've done anything to offend you, I'm sorry. I don't want our relationship to go this way. Amen. Early on in our marriage, Karen and I, we've we, we done those same discussions. Well, we still have some of those discussions sometimes. But early on, it was one of those things where I, don't, I can't remember if I said it or she said it. Probably both of us said it. Why don't you just go sleep on the couch? I can tell you right now, I ain't sleeping on the couch. This is my bed. I'm sleeping in a bed. Hello. That's one thing. I thank God that both of us were stubborn enough not to do. We wasn't going to get out of the bed and go to the couch. We just stubborn. We might have laid there mad, but we ain't going to sleep on the couch. I need to tell some of y'all, you, don't need, you need to be stubborn and don't get on the couch. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Amen. Don't get on the couch. Be stubborn enough to stay in the bed. But while you're there, you apologize and you love one another. In our relationship with God, we may get upset with the church and we may get upset with the preacher and we may get upset with the singer and we may get upset with all kinds of things that's being said or whatever. But I'll tell you something, you better stay in the spiritual bed of Jesus Christ. You better stay in his love relationship. Get, don't get on the couch because it's on the couch where the enemy will whisper in your ears, you don't need to go there and you don't need to do this. Just give up that. Just give up that. And before long, we don't see you in the church. Boy, that's good preaching right there. How many knows it ain't too late to repent tonight? I don't care who you are. It's not too late to repent. Hear, hear this admonition of the Lord, Revelations 2 and 5. The Bible says this, and I'm closing. Remember, it says this, remember the height from which you have fallen. Go ahead with that music. It's real soft, real soft. Remember the height from where you have fallen. It's powerful. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. I want to tell you something. It may be midnight for you, but the question is, what are you going to do with your midnight? What are you going to do with the situation that you're in tonight? What are you going to do with, 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 with that spiritual midnight that just seems to be just, just overtaking you, looming up over you, bringing you down. Say, Pastor, I, I feel what you're saying, but boy, I don't know what to do. I just told you what to do. The Bible says, the Bible says repent, do your first things over again, first works over again. Just, just simply apologize to the Lord. Just simply come back to Him. That's what the Lord wants us to do. He don't want us to get so spiritually sleepy we're going to fall out of a window. And kill our crazy self, spiritually speaking. No. Uh uh. Paul said there's still life in you. There's still life in you. You may feel dead tonight, but the Lord says there's life in you. 
You may be spiritually defeated, but the Lord says there's still life in you. There's still something on the inside. There's a little bitty ember there somewhere. Oh, you may not be a flame and you may not be a fire, but there's still some glowing somewhere. All you've got to do is tap into the real fire. Hallelujah. You just got to tap into the source. You got to get a little air, spiritual wind. Woo, thank you, Lord. Y'all have started fires before. When you just have just a little coal with just a little hot little glow on it, boy, you can put a little stuff down there and you can fan it. You can fan it and all of a sudden the flame will begin to come again. Y'all have heard me tell this story and I'm going to close with this. We was camping several years ago. I got up early one morning. You'll like this, Keith. I don't know if you've heard this before. But I got up early one morning. We had some, some Coleman camp fuel there that I used for the lights or whatever. And I've started fires before. I didn't have no problem starting a fire. Dad taught me how to start a fire when I was young and didn't have any problem with that. So I'm going to start me a fire that morning and make me some coffee while Karen and the kids were sleeping. That may be why Karen don't go camping with me much anymore because of this little thing right here. I'm out there and we're, we're at a state park up in Paragool. That's where we are at Perryville State Park, uh, Crowley's Ridge State Park, and we're and we're and I and I've, and I've got my fire started. And I got this this Coleman fuel, and and I'm pouring this this uh, little fuel on this fire, and I start it, and I have this this fuel little can in my hand. And all of a sudden, I don't know why it done it, but that flame jumped back up on my hand and on that can of Coleman fuel. And I'm looking. I had it in my left hand. I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, your life passes passes before you. you, 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 you what am I going to do with this? And I just says, I just threw it like that. And gas went everywhere. And when the gas went everywhere, the fire went everywhere. And in my mind, I'm burning down Crowley's Ridge State Park. Woods is there and leaves is there and fire's everywhere. And I run over and I get my rake. It's plastic. You remember, I know how to do this. I brought my shovel, I brought my rake, and all this kind of stuff. But I get my rake, and I'm, and I'm hitting out this fire, and all of a sudden I see that rake, Brother Eugene, just going like this. <laughs> it, it has no consistency to it. It's got hot enough to melt the plastic on the rake, and I'm wondering, my God, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, I did get it out, but for a short period of time, I, if somebody was videotaping me, it's not showed up on YouTube yet, and it's not showed up on the, on the funny videos yet, but I promise you, you could have won $10,000 because there's a little five foot six bald-headed white guy out there trying to get the fire out of the Crowley's Ridge State Park with that plastic rake. I thought about that little story several times when I'm thinking about this from a spiritual standpoint. Don't miss this. But sometimes, Brother Eugene, when the fire is going the way it shouldn't go, and I don't have enough of spiritual tenacity, I guess, if you want to call it that way, Brother Rains, to, to put it out. I've got my plastic spiritual rake. I'm not, I hadn't applied myself like, it needs to, like I need to apply I've not, I've not matured like I need to. And I'm, and I'm trying to put out this fire, and it ain't doing nothing. And I've got to have the presence of the Holy Spirit to move in my heart and move into my life. I want the fire to, I want the fire to burn, but, a, but the right kind of fire. Hello. There is all kind of bad fires. Y'all know that too, right? But I want the right kind of fire to burn in my life where the love of the Lord Jesus Christ can grow and grow in my life. I want you to stand tonight. I want you to bow your heads real quick. I'm not going to take long at this altar call, but I do want to ask you tonight, what are you going to do with your midnight? 
What are you going to do? What, what is your life like tonight? Are you like Eutychus? Are you getting drowsy in your relationship with Christ? Are you being overtaken with sleep? Oh, you want to listen to the man of God, but boy, there's just something that's, that's holding you back. You want, you, you want your relationship with God to be, to be fresh and new every day, but there's some things in your life that's just, that's just keeping you. Maybe, maybe the warmth of the lampstands and, and maybe the length of the hour and all of these, these things are just, are just getting all in your way and you're drowsy and you're falling asleep. What are you going to do? I want to ask you with all heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around very quickly.